Jimmy, my boy. Oh, I hate that guy. I hate that guy. Oh. Do not like Finnegan. Oh, like that's not that's not. You. It's not an offensive stereotype. That that whole music is is a hate crime. I'm Captain Benjamin Cisco. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert! All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert! Shields up. What shields? You're Starfleet officers! Now start acting like it! Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple, Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to The Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Bloody hell. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Listen to The Prophets. I'm David Pascarella, and I'm joined by Paul Spataro. Hello. Dr. Bill Robinson. Ah, hello. And Sir Andrew Lalin. Forsooth, verily, it is a good day to die. So how's it going, everybody? Well, the, oh. rest, the rest of us are doing okay, but Andy seems to have been lost in the past. <laughs> well, Ye oldie Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Oh, oh wait, wait, what's that? Something's coming. No. Ah, ah! I have eaten Dr. Bill. Ah, you attention-seeking. You can't enjoy this episode unless you've listened to it in the original Klingon. Probably be better. Well, don't want to bury the lead. Your boat too soon Mm. on this classic episode of Deep Space Nine. Even an Edsel becomes a classic after Mm. enough time. Couldn't Edsel really have been as bad as they make it out to be? No, it wasn't. The economy just (laughs) tanked when they brought it out. What's the other uh, woman? The the one uh, oh, Tim Tucker Robin. Tucker's car Tucker. That's that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that was a good movie with Jeff Bridges. Was it Tim Robbins in that too, or am I wrong? He may have been in it, but he didn't star in it. Didn't somebody jump out of a window? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. Maybe he was defenestrated or whatever. Yeah, there's a guy that jumps up and runs. Oh wait, I'm thinking of a. Wait, am I thinking You're of thinking the, of the Wizard of Oz? That was the lion. No, no, no. The Hudsucker Proxy, I think, is what I'm thinking. That's mm-hmm. Tim Robbins. Yes, that's it. I, I, I knew that, I that doesn't save face for you. That means you were totally wrong. Shut up. <laughs> they both had people in the movies. Exactly. That is true. Thanks, that Dave. That is true. He's got the connection. Fun of me. <laughs> Make fun of myself. <laughs> so, so we have, we do we have any Star Trek news? Uh, <sighs> that good. Okay, so let's talk about the episode. <laughs> Boy, there is, there is a low level of energy in this group this morning. I don't think there's a there's anything to say. We're in the lull before the storm. Well, it's okay. It's not. It kind arrives, isn't it? It's oh oh. You're talking about news. I was talk, talk, talking about the the low energies because it's not a really upbeat episode. So somebody's, somebody's watching it as we speak. Yeah, I had I had my volume on. Sorry about that. I'll turn my volume off on the episode. A musical interlude, ladies and gentlemen. 
<laughs> We're not making the editing oh. process easy for Dave. <laughs> Are there any new Star Trek shorts out? No, not yet. Uh, I thought I saw that there were some that I haven't seen yet. What is, that are available, but I do not have access to. But as far as I know, they've not released three and four yet, because one of watched, them ties into Picard, doesn't it? Have you so, watched one and two yet, Paul? Maybe. Maybe. Well, we tried to not want, talk about it last time. I but, know. Uh, last time on an old, old episode. Yeah, but I think we failed miserably in not talking about yeah, it. Oh, you did. I just kind of tuned you out, and I wasn't <laughs> listening to what you had to say. <laughs> So, just a normal episode, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm glad Andy went there. <laughs> because I would have gone there. <laughs> I went there, too! I'm sorry, did you say something? Exactly. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Oh, apparently there's one called Ask Not, which has, is either just about to be released, or has, is on the... Well, that's the same thing, Andrew, you stupid idiot. Is on the verge of being released. So yes, there is a or another soon. captain. There is a Captain Pike short under another. ten minutes long that has not been released yet. I think that the, uh, the the overwhelming thoughts I'm hearing is that they would like to just or the fans would like to kind of just take Discovery, turn it into a Captain Pike show, and leave everything else behind. Uh, yeah, I, I'm damn down with that. <laughs> and, and I don't know if Paramount is hearing that. Because I, I can't imagine Anson Mount's calendar is so busy that they can't hire him on to do a you know ten episode series at this point. He's he's already said he's up for it. And you, well, I you think they're going to. I'm so they could they could make a story <laughs> where it embraces the Enterprise and you go with all you know you go with Young Spock and Number One and everything. Or if they find that to be too troublesome, they could. I think they could get away with just doing a Captain Pike-centric story that doesn't have anything to do with the Enterprise. You know, he's on some mission on his own, and this is, you know, just focusing on him. I think at this point, that character is has been enjoyed enough that I think they could go there if they chose to. Hmm. I'm wondering if it's a money issue. I don't think Anson Mount is that expensive. I, no, mean, I, I could be wrong, that. but I don't think oh, he's that in demand. Wise? No, I mean, I wonder if it's a money issue and that those characters were created by Gene right. Roddenberry. Oh. And if you use them, maybe his family gets a truckload of money, whereas we create new characters, we don't have to pay you. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they have to pay his family for any Star Trek, you know, thing that they come out yeah, with. Yeah, now, there may be a different rate. Contractually. Contractually, uh, they may have to pay more every time they use a character right. you created. Yeah, if you That's if right. a character you've created in a television show comes back in another episode that you did not write, you get paid for that. But I would imagine Gene Roddenberry's family gets gets paid, like even for episodes of DS9 that don't have any characters that Gene Roddenberry created. Mm, but maybe there are people who think that we're already paying them enough money. Why should we pay them more? Because this, no, I, this I, goes back to the whole reason that, that Voyager Tom Paris isn't Nick Lacano, when he clearly is Nick mm-hmm. Lacano on every conceivable level, right down to be the same actor. But they would have had to pay the writer of the first duty for every episode of Voyager. And the well, why should we do that? We want that money. It's the reason there was another one of them as well. Paul was supposed to be Tapau. Huh. And again, they, they would have had to pay Theodore Sturgeon or his estate some money so they change the name of it well here's the reason to do it because people will watch yeah i i, I honestly think that the amount that they would get in goodwill 
even if they only do like a six episode series set on the Enterprise, they just go where no man has gone before. Just six episodes like they used to do them in the old show. I think you, you, it's printing money. We'd love that. We'd love to see Rebecca Ramin actually given something to do. Yeah. I'd love to see Ethan Peck properly pray Spock. I think there's people out there who would totally dismiss what I'm going to say now and say you don't need to see this. And I know you don't need to see anything. But I would not mind a six or ten episode season of Captain Pike, which ends on a down note showing how he got crippled at the end of that episode. They already showed that. Yeah, they are, yeah. Oh, they did? Yeah. yeah, where have you been? <laughs> you know I stopped watching it about halfway through the season. <laughs> Oh well, you missed out then. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna have episode, to... the episode. I think it's the episode where the Talos or Pike no. gets a glimpse of his future. Is it that episode, Bill, or is it a different one? No, no, it's uh, earlier on when they're oh, going right. after Spock. They go to ta- ta- Talos four. Later on, when they have to get the quote-unquote time crystal, they have to go down to the planet of Klingon monks. Right. And, yeah. And that's when. Oh, there's a price to pay. Things you will see will change you. Oh. All right, and, I think uh, I need to watch the season, even though I know the season. <laughs> you know, like I, I got very soured on it because I started to watch it and I got bored, and you guys were down on it, and I thought, eh, the hell with it. But I think I'm gonna have to go back and watch it now. So yeah, he sees. Yeah, you see the scene. I mean, they could always just redo. They could just you know build up to that and end it before he goes on that cruise and just hmm. stop there. And because he knows what's going to happen you just see you know like a you know the the look of trepidation on his face as he boards the ship and goes on that mission and end it there yeah. so when they back up the money truck in the star trek universe does it sound like pike's chair <laughs> beep, 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 beep. One, one beep for now you know i have that christmas ornament right mm-hmm. it's got it's got spark and, and kirk standing by the chair with Pike in it, and if you turn it on, it does the beeps. Okay. Because nothing says Christmas like a crippled Pike. <laughs> he he plays out the Christmas music. Beep 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 beep. beep I don't beep, know beep, why, beep. but I ended up with two of them. So I have one on my Christmas tree, and one Dario is putting on uh, on eBay. Ooh, how much is that? I have no idea. Mm. I, I leave, what what Dario puts on is totally up to Dario to set the prices on. But if you're interested, we- if you're interested in it, I will have him pull it out of the box and just send it to you. Oh, that would go great on my desk. Beep beep beep. That's that's why I had two of them. Actually, I forgot I had one. In, one of them was in my office for quite a while. Hmm. But at, at some point, I cleared out some of the things in my office to try and appear the slightest bit more professional. <laughs> bah! I have a farting dog in my office. Well, I, have, I, have, I have movie posters in my office hanging up for The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Apocalypse Now, and Superman the Movie. I have comic book covers in another frame. I have... Do you remember there was somebody who posted on Facebook, and I printed up a couple of them. They did pretend movie cover, movie posters uh, with, like, old-time actors. Oh, I, I vaguely remember that. Yes, I have three... Three of those in a you know frame that holds three pictures hanging up. I have the Mets hanging up. I have the Islanders hanging up. I, I have all sorts of fun stuff in my office. So it's you know one one thing probably didn't tilt me all that close to professional. Anyway, sound of a voice. The sound of fear. Tell me I'm going to be rescued. Now you hear it. Tell her her heroes are on the way. Now you don't. No! On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. 
Uh, I would say the sound of her voice is annoying. <laughs> you say grating? <laughs> grating. Yes, most grating. I actually felt the vocal performance was quite good. I, yes. I, I agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm being facetious. It was the conversation that was the problem. You know, ultimately, and we're going to, I mean, you're going to give the, the synopsis in a minute, so I don't want to go too far into it. I thought the ultimate resolution of the episode was a good science fiction thing, but it left me feeling kind of empty. I think it was supposed yeah. to. I, I, see, I, I spent the entire episode waiting for the twist ending that I knew had to be coming, and therefore it didn't work, because it was kind of like, is that it? It's not like a Twilight Zone where you know a twist ending's coming, but the story's engaging you anyway. Yes. I felt this was building up towards a twist ending that had no satisfactory payoff. I think it would have been much better if they'd got there literally 30 minutes too late to save her. That whole yes. it was travelling through time thing just didn't work for me. Because did none of them punch up on the computer when the ship, whatever it was called, <laughs> left Earth. So why, so did, why do any research? <laughs> yeah, so well, we'll look up the ship and we'll look up this captain. Oh yeah, oh wait a minute. She left Earth, whatever it was, ten, eight, ten years ago. So we can't be receiving it. Did nobody report the ship missing? Yeah, that's a huge plot hole right there. She yeah, left because Earth in reality, she would have been only been, what, it would have been, yeah, there would have been a time discrepancy from what, but, you know, oh, we left eight years ago. If there so had there been, a, been a three-year difference. We're getting too far into the episode without having given the synopsis yet, but if the time shift had been like an hour... And right, they found right. out that they were talking to her through time, but it was only like an hour off, and we just got there an hour too late. Yeah, that would have been much more satisfactory. It's like it, it, they didn't pull a rabbit out of the hat at the end like you would expect her to do. They got there, and they were literally just too late to do anything about it. And all through the episode, they think, we're going to get there on time, we're going to get there on time. Oh, shit, it's gone through this meteor on cloud that has delayed the signal by an hour, and we're an hour late. That would have been a much better ending. So what, what's this episode we're talking about, uh, about <clears throat> Dave? <laughs> this is The Sound of Her Voice, episode 25 of this season. While traveling home from an escort mission, the crew of the Defiant receive a distress, distress call from Captain Lisa Cusack, a Starfleet officer stranded alone on an alien world. Her ship was destroyed by actively scanning a strange planet. After working a means to communicate with her, they discover that she is stranded on a Class L world with a high concentration of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere that will eventually kill her without regular doses of triox medication, which she is running out of. Dr. Bashir tells her to cut her dose such that she will survive the six days that it will take for the Defiant to reach the planet. In turn, Captain Cusick asks that they keep a constant conversation going with her to keep her alert and to make her feel less isolated. During the trip, the crew becomes closer to Captain Cusick as they discover their own personal problems with they discuss their own personal problems with her. When Bashir discovers that Cusick's supply of Triox is more critical than they thought, Cisco orders the phaser bank power to be routed to increase the Defiant's speed. They arrive at the planet shortly after Cusick has fallen unconscious, giving them a limited amount of time to find her. After figuring out how to bypass the strange energy field that surrounds the planet with the shuttlecraft, the crew finds the long decomposed remains of a woman's body deep in a cave 
and having been dead for about three years. O'Brien theorizes that the energy field caused their communications to travel through time. Cisco orders them to collect Cusick's body and give her a proper burial on Deep Space Nine as a Starfleet officer and trusted friend. Meanwhile, Quark talks Odo into preparing an extravagant celebration to celebrate his first month with Kira. Quark tells Jake, who is writing a story about criminals, that while Odo is occupied, he will sell rare crystals for profit. However, Odo decides to change his romantic evening for the following night, ruining Quark's plan. Odo overhears Quark's whole plan and his boast how he ultimately was responsible for helping Odo and Kira get together. Taking pity on him, or possibly feeling that he owes Quark one, Odo decides to let him get away with his scheme this one time and has his evening with Kira as originally planned. Oh. And that's that's the story. Yeah. <laughs> so what did we think about this? Um, it's not bad at all. It's There's a lot to like about it, particularly the Quark Odo subplot, which was the highlight of the episode. Mm-hmm. I just There's a couple of things about the main story I didn't buy. The thing we've already discussed about them not looking up the ship. Was it the Olympiad or something? The Olympiad. Yeah. Yeah. At no point did they look that ship up and see, oh yeah, this is the captain. Oh, it launched ten years ago. Wait a minute, what's going on here? Because that could have been a nice mystery, even if they can't get real-time updates from, from Starfleet. But it's just, like I said, I was waiting for the twist ending, and then the twist ending wasn't that satisfactory. And all the way through the episode, I was thinking, why are these people unburdening their souls to this person they don't know? Yep. Yeah, they did kind of warm up to her a little too quick. Uh I liked, you know, we already kind of talked a little bit about it, but I, I, I liked the original thought for this one, except I guess it was a little too close to uh, to another episode we know so well. Because uh, originally it was supposed to be that somehow they, the, they were talking to somebody back in the 1940s and Cisco was going to fall in love with her. And it turned out she was going to be played mm-hmm. by Joan Collins. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, I like that idea better for an episode, but it is a little too, I guess, on the nose to what we've already had. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what I found this to be? It was a very, very dark version of the Next Generation episode, Pen Pals, where it's just a oh, voice yeah. in the dark. Mm. It... Except, except it should have ended if Pen Pals was like this, with Picard going, well, too bad, the planet's going to die, <laughs> bye-bye, and off they go. It's surrender. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I uh, you know as you mentioned, Andy. I think the the voice acting by her was pretty good. She was a an appealing person. She almost she almost sounded like you know like a, a self help radio host taking these phone calls from everybody. <laughs> uh, you know, and she had a very soothing voice when they spoke to her, but. Like you said, you know, I, I, I didn't know where the twist was going to go. I didn't, you know, but just when it did happen, I was just kind of like, yeah, all right. Uh, and then I didn't even really think about the fact that the, uh, you know, the, that it didn't make sense that they wouldn't look up the ship. You know, but, but they wouldn't. They would look it up. I mean, that's one of the first things you'd do. As soon as you find out who she is, you'd be looking up to see, okay, she's on this ship. These are the supplies they have. This is what she doesn't have. You know, instead it's, oh, how much triox do you have? Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> this ship left Earth in 1987. 
That would have been awesome if it was Captain William Buck Rogers. <laughs> or Khan. Khan. But, you know, I mean, she, she was, like I said, I think she was pretty good. I think her acting job was good. I, I, I got a kick out of, I mean, it wasn't the greatest voice work in the world, but I got a kick out of when she pretended that she was being eaten by an alien. Because <laughs> she, God damn it, was doing his job instead of paying attention. God, what a reckless man that Dr. Bashir is. He's a bad, bad man. Pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. Yeah, he was doing his job. But that's which was another thing as well. Was there no one else on the Defiance who could have talked to her why these people were on duty? Like a counsellor? <laughs> Anybody. Perhaps Anybody. an ensign. Have it, have it piped into the mess hall and let the people in the mess hall who aren't on duty speak to her instead of her interfering with ship's regular running. And have have the chief of the medical uh, operations speaking to her and have the chief engineer speaking yeah. to her. Now, I get O'Brien having a connection with her because he's the one in charge of boosting the signal and <coughs> fixing the flibber-jibber and altering the engines so they can get there on time. So I get that he would build up a connection with her. I didn't understand why the rest of the crew would just open their hearts up to somebody they don't know, have never met, and are only talking to over the radio. I didn't get that at all. I think the flibber-jibber was a big deal. It, the flipper jibber is always a big deal, especially when you reroute it through the matter antimatter intermix chamber, because otherwise you'll just cause a warp core breach. And science. Yes, science. <laughs> so, and and that ultimately left this this pale over the entire episode, probably that the ending didn't work, and I didn't buy them just all taking time out of their busy day to constantly talk to her. Yeah, I hated the ending. I would. Yeah. Have all right with her job being dead when they got there but whatever the three-year gap no mm. well i'm just scrolling through other other notes on this episode which i don't normally do but it didn't feel like we had a lot to say about it and on the rewatch one which i didn't know Todd, i've Todd done a rewatch of deep space nine apparently keith DeCandido actually makes the point it would have been better if they'd looked up the ship found out that the ship disappeared three years ago realized that she was dead and that they were talking to a ghost and that the best thing they can do for her is continue to talk to her so she doesn't die alone right. and still go to the planet to at the very least get her remains and salvage what they can of the people that died on the crash that would have been instead of trying to have the surprising ending to have mm. you aware of it and have that be kind of put you know just put it in perspective early i think that might have been better yeah, I think I, that, that's a great idea. I kind of like if you were going to do what you did, then have it only be a couple of hours and just have, you know, almost have them plot their course knowing, okay, she's she's got five hours to live or whatever. Well, we're going to get there in four, so we'll be fine. And they get there and she died two hours earlier. And they could have rushed, but they didn't. Yeah, they <laughs> you did, know, something did. like that. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't push that idea we had before about there was only an hour time lag. So they don't push the engines to maximum because they think, well, we've got plenty of time to get there. She'll be fine. And then they realize, oh, bugger. Oops. Yeah. My that bad. Been more poignant. <laughs> and I, I just think that the idea behind the episode is a good one. It's just the ending just falls flat. And again, I look at on Memory Alpha. It's nice to look back and see Ron Moore actually agrees with us. 
just scrolling through memory alpha now ron moore says when you watch the final episode it just doesn't work as well as they thought it did when they were writing it and it's one of those situations where the story they had and the script that they written they thought was really good and then for some reason it just doesn't work on film it just doesn't have the resonance they wanted it to you know what i almost feel the whole purpose of this well let me back up a moment i love the quark and odo story yeah, that's brilliant. I love that. And, and the whole scene there where Quark is ranting to Jake about how, you know, this scheme of his is going to fall through because Odo's free and Odo owes him. And I love he quotes the line because we've used this in my family for years. No good deed goes unpunished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I loved about that, the Odo knows. Yes. All the way through, Odo knows that this is going on, and he lets Quark have a win. Yes, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that was worth the whole episode. Yeah, the, the Quark Odo stuff's great, and there's a legit reason for him to be talking to Jake as well, because I love his line, first point of order, the villain of the story never thinks he's the villain of the story. I'm just a <laughs> businessman. All of that stuff, all of that stuff's gold, and all yeah. that stuff makes up for the A plot in this one not engaging me as much as it would do. Because, and let's just pause a minute and point out how stunningly beautiful Nana Visitor is as a twenties flapper girl. Mm. Yes. Let me let me qualify it a little bit by saying, ultimately, the A story was a little unsatisfying to me. But while I was watching it, I was kind of engaged. It wasn't, you know, that it was turning me off while I was watching it. I, like I said, I thought she did a good job on the voice acting. I thought her character was kind of compelling. Uh, I thought there were a lot of plot points, like you said, that just didn't make sense that these people are on duty when they're speaking to her and whatever. But just the same, I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was terribly executed. Uh, more or less, just ultimately, the plot twist kind of just left me flat. That's that's really what it came down to. The thing for me about the A-plot is, and not spoiling ahead too much, is this is telegraphing what's coming. They are telegraphing there is a big death coming. Even to well, the point they, of they, O'Brien. They do, they do that at the end, yeah. You were just going to mention the O'Brien speech at the end. Yep. Who mm-hmm. do they cut to when he says some of us may not make it? <laughs> Pay attention, Jadzia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, she's the one who explains the court, to, I mean, to uh, Worf, too. I, I can't believe that Worf doesn't know what an Irish wake is, having grown up on, on Earth. Yeah, he grew up in Russia, though. Well, yeah. Well, uh, you know. Yeah, but still. But, it, you know. It, See, I, I don't know what a Russian wake is, if they even have one. Well, I, I mean, know what, I know what an Irish one is, because, you know, well, Ireland yeah. isn't that far away from me. But <laughs> so, him being in Russia, he may not know. So does this mean that the Irish are like the Klingons? Oh, yeah. Well, they like a drink and a good fight. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's probably more Scottish, to be fair. So do you think after they film this and the uh, the guys, you know, clean up the set, start wheeling the coffin away, torpedo, you go, no, 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 don't pack that. <laughs> yeah, just leave that here. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, going to need, need that next week. Just leave that where it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, the last line of the episode is the title of the episode as well. Yep. Ka-ching. Take a drink. Yeah. Um, I, I do have some notes. Um, Ooh, you got I was, notes. Yeah, I, I, I have notes because as I was going through, I felt a little underwhelmed because, one, I knew what the plot twist was going to be because I remembered it. 
See, I didn't remember this episode at all. So I was watching it kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I, I mean, I did get into some of it as it was going. But so since I am the official military correspondent for the show, um, it was I, I, I don't know if they actually had the the thought of this or anybody on the show had the experience of this being on a ship for a long period of time. When you go on a six month deployment, you do the guys that you live with and you go out and have a good time with and party. You sit on a ship in the middle of the ocean with them for months. And after a while you get sick of looking at them. So Cisco's what, what, what sick of looking at them. No, you do. I mean, I actually had a, I had a fight with one of the guys in my work center because we 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 slept within two feet of each other. We were always, you know, you're always there. You see these people every day. It's 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 Isn't not that your like, wife. No, shut up. I I I was going to say, you know, if you have if your marriage is not that great, you could go to work and you can get away, you know, for a couple hours. No, you can't. They're always there every time you turn around. So Cisco being a little annoyed that Cassidy is there is not a unbelievable thing for me to buy into because I've been in that situation where you're just like, man, I can't get away from you. You were in my grill 24-7. You know, I need some me time. Go away. So I don't know if they had anybody on on the, you know, the writers that were consciously, you know, you know, said, hey, I remember when I was in the service. This could really get on your nerves. And plus the Defiant as compared to – so you would think, all right, we're talking about this other ship, the Olympia, that was on a – got an eight-year eight cruise of the Beta Quadrant. God, those people must hate each other. But if you think about the way the Defiant was designed because it was brought up early on, you know, when they first ta- talked about it, it is a no-thrills ship. It is a utility – it is a, a warship. There is no – there's no holodeck. Yeah, there's no holodeck. Yeah. There's no nice beds. It is it is there for one purpose and one purpose only. So to be stuck on that type of ship is also – I mean I was picking up on this but only from my experience. So that's what I have to – that's what I bring to this episode and I'll step away now. <laughs> Why wasn't Jadzia on the ship with them? Uh, maybe they, well, maybe it was. I'm sure they knew. Maybe she was just like, I'm sick this week. <laughs> no, no, the meta reason is Jerry Terry Fowler was auditioning for other work. Oh. But did they give did they give a, an in story reason for her not being on the ship? <sighs> well, you know, why wouldn't the science officer be there? Yeah, but at the same time, we often complain why is every single member of the command crew on the Defiant? Who's Who's running the show? Yes, back. yes, we do. But in a situation like this, it's kind of weird that she's not there. Of all the command crew mm. who shouldn't be there, it's always Dr. Bashir. Why on earth would you take your chief medical officer away yeah. from Deep Space Nine with you? Because we've never seen on Deep Space Nine that he has support staff. Because in the yeah, original, we, we, knew, we knew he... Well, yeah, but in the original, what I mean is oh, we yeah. knew there was a Dr. Mabenga. So we knew there was another Doctor there when McCoy wasn't on the ship, even if we only saw him in two episodes or whatever. We knew in Next Generation there was a Doctor Sillar. So again, we knew there was another Doctor there when Crusher was busy. We have never seen that equivalent that there is another Doctor on Deep Space Nine. So to constantly keep taking Bashir away seems a bit stupid to me. But not having Jadzia, though, didn't make much sense. She's the science officer. I think it's because they're also laying the groundwork for next week when she's left behind again. 
Yeah, for no good reason as for well. No good reason. We'll talk about that when we get there. But yeah, I was just wondering if I'd missed an in-story reason why Jadzia wasn't on the ship. She's working on her command merit badge. All oh, right. I was just going to say, maybe she's doing some type of command like uh, Troy did. Well, I'm going to become the commander. Uh, so I, right. think, I think you should have a built-in excuse for why anybody isn't on any episode, because they are part of the main crew and should be having other... They should have so many duties to do that they can't possibly show them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when you have only got, like like I said, there, there has only been Dr. Bashir shown as being the chief medical officer of Deep Space Nine. He doesn't seem to have another doctor. So that that poor guy must be on call 24-7. Well, thank God nobody gets sick. Yeah, I mean, and it's not like here where your doctor's surgery is open at specific times of the day and then there's a specific out-of-office surgery for to phone if you're ill in the middle of the night or whatever. Everyone just goes, Dr. Bashir, I've, I've got a cold. They don't phone for an appointment, do they? They just call him directly and say, oh, I need some paracetamol. Are you available? I well, feel you know, a bit sorry for the guy. Nobody ever has to wait either. They never get to the infirmary and there's 12 people yeah. sitting there at it. Yeah, they, they never get there and go, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I've got a queue of about an hour. Do you want to come back? Okay. I, I thought I'd just missed a reason for Jadzia to, to not be there. But, okay. Obviously not. All right. So, I guess that's it, huh? Yeah. What do we, how do we want to rate this? Well, Dave did the synopsis, so traditionally he goes first. Uh, I didn't. As I said before, what saves this for me a little bit is the Quark. Mm. Udo story. The ending I really didn't like. I agree. I found it a little odd that people are speaking about the deepest concerns and secrets of their life to someone they've never met before. But I mean, I guess you can consider it like they're going into the confessional and confessing. So for those reasons, I give it a two, a two, two voices in the dark. Okay. Uh, I'm not quite as down on it as you. I thought it was entertaining to watch it more falls apart on on after the thought thinking about it so i'm going to just say average and go with 2.5 i was going to go 2.5 as well for slightly different reasons i was waiting for the twist ending because i knew deep space nine would do a twist ending and as such when you're waiting for a twist ending and that twist ending isn't satisfying it kind of colors the rest of the episode for you like dave i didn't understand why they would just burn their souls to this person just straight off the bat i know i wouldn't do that um but i did love the b plot and i loved the acting in the b plot and i love that odo was aware of everything that was going on which is so typically odo but he still let quark get away with it and i thought the dialogue and the acting in the main story is pretty good as well it's just that that ending just fell flat for me. So 2.5. Uh, I'll give it uh, 2.5 desiccated Deborah Wilson corpses. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an average. Uh, if this was if the A plot was not as good, I think it would have been a two. Um, I mean, excuse me, the B plot. The B plot was not as good. It would have been a two for me. So 2.5. You know, and poor. Although she gets an acting credit, but we don't get to see the actress. We get to see the actor. Which I thought was a good move. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so that's what we thought. What does Dave think? I mean, what does Blaine think? <laughs> no, Dave doesn't tell us anything. What does Blaine think? What does Blaine think? Oh, wait, wait. There was a wake in here. Let me see. So, oh, what does that Dave, now you got me doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Join the club of the misspeakers. 
What does Blaine think? What does he think? What does he think? Wow, it sounded like uh. Ethel Merman. <laughs> You'll be swell. What's he think? What is Blaine going to tell us today? Starting here, starting now. You should have just gone there from the start. <laughs> anyway. So Blaine says, hi, guys. Here's one with a great lead story and an entertaining B-plot, even though it doesn't contribute to the contribute a lot to the larger narrative. The characters have gotten colder and drifted apart through this season, and the way they were brought back together feels natural rather than forced. As a Canadian with Irish heritage, I can also assure you that wasn't wasn't a proper Irish wake. It was far too quiet for that. I also wonder why she was loaded into a torpedo on the station and there seemed to be no attempt to contact either of her sisters, who I assume are still out there teaching somewhere. Still, this one works. Captain Cusack is a wonderful character and Quark's machinations and Odo's response to them are great. I just wish we didn't have the spoiler. As soon as Bashir says that one day... One of them will be one who is gone. The camera cuts directly to a shot of the character who doesn't survive the next episode, and then goes right back to Bashir, making it clear that character will be singled out in that moment. Granted, the news was all over the media at that time, so most viewers, and even a lot of non-viewers, knew what was coming. But we don't, we don't, we don't have that coming now. So if anyone out there in listener land doesn't know what's coming, sorry, I just spoiled that for you. If you didn't notice that the shot, don't go back and find it until you watch next week. And if you're listening to this podcast before watching the episode for some reason, close your eyes during Bashir's closing speech until it's over. Blaine. I think we've already kind of spoiled it, so, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, so Blaine seems to have thought more highly of it than we did. I, I think Blaine's... Based upon his writing on it, I'm thinking he's given it like a three, three and a half. So, you know, he's a little, little higher on it than us, but that's okay. Uh, I, you know, I, I just thought some of the flaws brought it down to average. I think it could have been better. Agree. So that's the sound of her voice. What do we got next time? Next time, our all new episode of Listen to the Prophets. It's the end of the road for one of the crew in the season finale. Tears of the Prophets. The day has come for retribution. It's time to strike the enemy and strike them hard! The day has come to end the siege. We've been waging a defensive war long enough. The day has come to take the fight back to the enemy. Fire at will. And turn the tides of war toward victory. We will succeed! But by the time this day is over, one of Cisco's crew will die. On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine... The tears of the prophets. Do you remember years ago when you said you would never sing on a podcast? I, I, that must have been somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how about keeping that promise? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would save everybody from pain. <laughs> I'm sorry, I like hearing you sing. It means you're, it means you're having fun. I need my pain. I want my pain. At some point during the recording of this episode, I woke up, it means. (laughs) So, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Listen to the Prophets at Deep Space Nine podcast is a two true freaks presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. 
If you like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the twotruefreaks.com website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site, and whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The Prophets. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. I've been told I was Irish, English, Dutch, German, and Cherokee Indian. Don't ask. At this point, at this point, you're pretty much Diet Mountain Dew with the transfusions you've had. <laughs> yeah. Hey, my call. Hey, where's the Mountain Dew?